Welcome into the Pro Football Show, everybody, for this Tuesday, June 23rd, as we get you caught up with uh, all the latest. Dak Prescott, Jamal Adams, Adams we'll get into that. Uh, how does the Titans' future, or what does Cole McDonald's future look like with the Titans in the league? We'll get into that. Cowboys Raiders may be looking at a kicker from the Far East that's played. Um, some updates from the Browns and the Ravens and the Bengals and the Texans. So a lot to get uh, to today and a breakdown, a preview of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We broke down the Redskins. Uh, if you want to check out uh, Monday's podcast, we will do Jacksonville. We'll take a team a day until we get through it, get all the teams. Um, want to remind you about uh, and questions. We got, let's see, um, Richard has a couple questions that we'll get to in a little bit. If you got a question, send it to me at contact Chris at LandryFootball.com. Also, want to remind you of some exciting news that we have. We mentioned on the college show, but uh, we are ushering in kind of a new. Uh, we're fo- it's going to take a little while. We'll get through, make the complaint ch- changeover sometimes in July. But we're adding an SEC show, SEC Gumbo. And I'm going to be doing a more of a national college show and uh, certainly a pro football show. Um, we'll do that a couple of days a week. Uh, and then obviously giving you all the information on the website as well as we're going to have now more than one day a week shows in uh, the college game um, with a couple of days a week. So make sure that you uh, check that out. going to be uh, a ton of fun breaking down the entire country. Of course, I'll be talking about everybody in college football on the national show, so uh, make sure that you uh, check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun there. Um, Blake Rafino is going to be starting uh, SEC Gumbo on Tuesday, so uh, check that out today uh, if you get a chance. You'll absolutely love it, you college fans. Uh, he's great, and we'll be breaking down the entire league, talking about it, using his own spin and personality. It's going to be a lot of fun. You will enjoy Give them a listen. We're going to be adding the whole Twitch element so that we're going to – you're going to be able to see the guys. You're going to be able to really get into the interactive part of the whole concept. Uh, again, uh, want to remind you about getting the latest information at LandryFootball.com, getting the inside information of the college and broke game, the – breakdowns of the teams, the rosters. we got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of our scouting season offer. Less than $5 a month. Uh, absolutely take advantage of it. Great opportunity to get involved. Get ready for the season better than you ever have. And, yeah, we're going to, I think, uh, have a season, and there's maybe some doubts about that um, every now and then we hear, but we're going to get you prepared for the rosters and understanding everything that's going on, so check us out. Also, check out the great folks at 401k Generation, experts in financial planning, uh, money management, investments, 401ks, IRAs, whatever your needs are. You don't know what your needs are. That's what they're there for. That's what they can help you with. License in all 50 states. Give them a call. Give them a text at one 998 5879 uh, and, again, get the podcast. Make sure you sign up for Landry Football's conference call. So 
the new SEC podcast as I transition out of the conference shows and just do the national show a couple of days a week. We're going to rebrand that. You're going to like what we're going to do with that. Um, you're going to get all of that by signing up for Landry Football's conference call today. All right, so the news of the day, we said and put it in our notebook, and we said it on Monday show that Dak Prescott was going to sign his franchise tender. He did just that. Um, this ensures he's going to at least show up for training camp on time, be under contract for the 2020 season. The franchise tag will pay him $31.4 million this season, but both sides are looking to iron things out in the long term. The major holdup is uh, reportedly how many years the long-term contract should be. Uh, Prescott wants to sign a four-year deal. The Cowboys want him for five years. Um, with the future salary cap numbers uncertain because of the COVID-19 Things are a little bit more complex than ever. They've got until July 15th to agree to terms on a long-term deal. So we're less than a month away, um, a few weeks away. Um, they're going to have to renegotiate after the season, which is going to get really dicey, really interesting. Uh, Prescott is seeking a long-term deal of four years. The Cowboys want to sign him to a five-year deal. So it's really more about, uh, again, it's, it's contract length, but it's numbers within the length that's tied together. So that determines um, how many years you have control of the next contract. He wants four years. It puts him perhaps in his prime, prime to get another big-time contract. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, you know, um, you know. certainly if you have a four-year deal, you can stretch it. Um, uh, you know, one or two years by using the franchise tag. So, you know, um, we'll see where, you know, the leverage, as I said, is is really more Prescott because the Cowboys have allowed it to get to this point. The How they've negotiated this a few years ago and not getting this done has really killed them. So we'll see if they can get a deal done by July 15th. The clock is ticking or else it will be even more cost, costly going forward. Uh, it's not an indication that a long-term deal is close. It's not an indication that the progress in the talks about a long-term deal is further off. Nothing. It has nothing to do with anything other than it kind of puts the the stamp that, hey, you got July 15th to get a long-term deal. Um, some discussions around the league. The NFL has put every team on notice to develop an infectious disease emergency response, DER plan for containing the spread of COVID-19. A lot of heated discussions within each organization as they figure out which employees uh, can go where as part of a tier system. Now, tier one will include like, you know, uh, players, plus coaches, trainers, physicians, necessary personnel who require direct access to players. Tier 2 includes GM, football operations staff, assistant coaches, and other essential workers. Tier 3 includes certain personnel, in-house media members, and others who do not need to be in in close contact with Tier 1 folks. So they're going to have to create maybe separate entrances or different times at an entrance for people in Tier 1 and Tier 2 to go versus Tier 3. And there's a little bit of an overlap in some of the roles on different clubs on who can go where. So 
look, this is, we've talked about this, is going to be certainly behind the scenes. Very chaotic. Very uh, complex to try to figure out how they're going to make this safe for everyone. I've said it over and over again. I'm going to continue to tell you that the whole issue is about how you're going to deal with this. How are you going to be smart about the situation? How are you going to deal with, you know, situations that come up with players testing positive? What does this really mean for guys that test positive, people that test positive? Can you – is it true that once you get it, you can't spread it to someone else or you can't get it again? So are personnel in your organization safe from being around you once you are cleared the point in which you've had it and complete that term period. A lot of things you don't know. I think avoiding it's going to be difficult. And there is some thought process out there about the whole herd immunity system where if you can indeed get people cleared once they have it, particularly if they're asymptomatic, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing. As I said before, a guy testing positive now, a guy going into quarantine now, it is no big deal. During the season, it's going to be real interesting. Going to be real, real interesting. Uh, Some other news. Uh, The Titans were able to – Cole McDonald got their seventh-round pick, of course, signed him to a contract. Um, Two-year starter in Nick Rolovich's run-and-shoot offense, Nick now at Washington State. Uh, 40-plus touchdowns in each of the last two years, joining uh, the likes of Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang as the only players in school history with multiple 3,000-yard campaigns. Led the league with nine completions, uh, 40-plus yards downfield in the um, empty backfield offense. That's, you know, uh, very challenging up-tempo offense. Uh, lots of timing and touch issues, uh, not to mention some mobility. He's a really intriguing guy. Toughness. Going to be interesting to see if he can develop, how will he develop uh, for the Titans and maybe a backup role as they obviously have Ryan Tannehill locked up as the immediate starter. Um some news around, uh, remember the name, we'll see if he signs. Toshiki Sato, he is a place kicker in Japan. He is um, the, I think the Raiders are interested. I, you know, I don't see the Cowboys. There's some level of interest there, but they signed Greg Zerline. I think maybe um, – uh, you know, maybe the Raiders might be a little bit more realistic with Daniel Carson struggling. It'll be interesting. He he uh, kicks for the X-League team in Japan. Um, kicked the 58-yard field goal last year. Um, strong leg. Be interesting to see uh, whether he gets uh, an opportunity in the league. Of course, we discussed yesterday and on LandryFootball.com, the latest with Jamal Adams. Um, from the Jets' standpoint, 
you know, unless they get an offer, an offer they can't refuse, I expect them to kind of sit pat there, let it play out. It's one of the best players, defensive players in the league, certainly one of the best safeties in the league, rare ability, really good blitzer. Asking an awful lot, and he's got two years left on his rookie contract. Uh, assuming the Jets pick up the fifth-year option. So this is a little bit early for extension. So he wants it. Um, Adams is trying to talk his way into a new deal or a trade. Why would the trade, uh, Jets trade him? Somebody's willing to give a first-round pick and something. Who is that? You know, who would that be? You know, Tampa, Baltimore, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, Philly, San Francisco, Seattle. You never know where a team is going to finish, but those are teams that are likely going to finish in the bottom half. Let's say 16 down on to 32 is where those teams. So we're not talking a high first-round pick. But you have to figure it as a potential middle one, and we'll see where it plays out. I just don't know. Um Nobody's been willing to give up what it's going to take for the Jets to trade him. So we shall see. Certainly he can sit out. Sits out. He can sit out all the camp. He can show up just enough to get an accrued season. He has to do that. He won't get paid. He won't get an accrued season. And he'll never be a free agent. So he'll be spinning his wheels. He's speaking up now. He's trying to talk his way out of it, and we'll see what the Jets do. If I'm the Jets, I say not interested in trading him behind the scenes. I take calls, and we'll see where it takes me. Over in Baltimore, John Harbaugh says that center Matt Skura's recovery has been going really well. Starting center's ahead of schedule. He's got an uphill battle. He's coming over from the torn ACL, but also a dislocated kneecap. So, um... So they got him on a one-year, $2.14 million contract. It's healthy, really, really, really good value, particularly in the run game. Kareem Hutt said, hey, learn a lot about some off-the-field issues. We'll see. Uh, announced his commitment, want to play for the Browns. Of course, they've got Nick Chubb. You know, it, listen, if Kareem Hutt is right, and he's taking care of himself on and off the field. They got a good one-two punch there. Um, got this wide zone scheme. These guys can cut back. Really good pair of backs there. Um, Brian Callahan. Bill Callahan's son, who's the offense coordinator for the Bengals, has been very impressed with – the virtual teaching and getting to know Joe Burrow. says his ability to understand what adjustments need to be paid, uh, me made are really impressive. He's been around football for a long time, of course, but he asked the right questions in the right situation, so he's been really impressive. So not football practice, but in the Zoom meetings, he's done a good job. Um, just a nugget on the Texans. The defense last year ranked last in the league in the red zone, allowing a touchdown to be scored on 71.4% of opposing drives entering that area of the field. Only 6.1% of opposing drives that ended in the red zone resulted in no points. 
So this was the main decision in promoting Anthony Weaver to defensive coordinator, and his defensive line unit has arguably been the team's best defensive group for multiple years. Above all, the personnel's been stable, um, has to be stable. J.J. Watt missing half the season doesn't help. Picking up corners midweek, you know, was a, was a mess. So it, it looks at the personnel. I mean, when I look at it, I mean, certainly there's some things they can shore up from a technique standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, but it's personnel-driven. That is their problem, has been their problem. We'll see if they can fix that and have fixed that. Got a couple of questions. Well, a couple of questions here. Richard asks, can you explain how the Tampa 2 defense works and what is its purpose behind it? How do you attack the defense? So the Tampa 2, def- Tampa two defense is Tampa two is a coverage. Uh, in running, it's not a defense, but that's kind of how it's denoted. The difference between the Tampa 2 and the straight cover 2, coverage defense, is the two-deep coverage split safeties. Okay, you'll hear it named different things. That's what I'm telling you. You know, two-deep, cover two, split safeties. They're covering half the field from the safety position, and the reason for it is to prevent the big play down the field, to force the play underneath, you want to have safeties that have great range that can cover half the field, take away the deep play, but have enough instincts and burst to come down and attack underneath. But enough instincts to not bite and beat on the deep post so that you end up getting beat over the top. So you should not, if you play correctly, should get beat in cover two if you play it well, if you're not faked out. That's the reason for it. The Tampa 2 defense, the distinguishable difference in what they did in the Tampa 2 was they got better depth with the Mike Backer. So the way you beat it, to answer a part of your question and to combine the two and the answer, the way you beat that cover 2 is you attack the middle of the field because the corners are up. They're playing outside technique, usually funneling it inside. So you attack the middle of the field, and you attack down the seam, the spot where the corners coverage in and the safeties begin. You attack those areas in that middle of the field. And if you do that effectively, eventually you're going to get them out of that defense to some degree if you're effective enough particularly if you're able to make some plays in the red zone and run it effectively and, and beat them on a fade, and, and they're moving down the field and controlling the game and you can't get off the field, you'll get them out of that look uh, because they're going to have to defend the middle of the field. But that's how you attack it. Now, the Tampa 2 defense gets that Mike backer with a little bit more depth. So as you attack the middle of the field, that's the guy that's going to try to take away all those crossers. Uh, mid-level crossing routes, he's there to kind of patrol that. Um, and certainly the Wilbacker is going to peel off a little bit with it, but they will kind of funnel things inside to the Mike Backer. So it's like having a, you know, two deep and a Mike Backer underneath. So Shelton Quarles, uh, a, a Erlacher type of guy. That's how you play it. 
that's the difference between the straight cover two and the Tampa two. That's how you beat it. Richard, also, what's the goal of mini camps, and how are mini camps then compared when you were in Cleveland and Tennessee to now? Well, the purpose of mini camps is to teach for installs, um, working on fundamentals, working on individual work, but working on installs, installing the offense, the defense, the special teams, you know, practice by practice, expanding in the understanding, teaching it in the classroom, going out for a session where it's strictly walked through on the field. Then it is going through a little bit quicker pace on the field, whether it's shells or when you get to pads, you're doing it full speed. But you're spending a lot of time in that classroom learning. That's what mini camp's for. Then you come back and it's like refresher. So and the mini camps were the same. The difference was you, before the new CBA, or the most recent CBA, I should say, it's not that new, but the CBA prior to the one that they just signed, um, you could do more work in pads. You're limited with that. So that's the one difference. But the mini camps haven't changed other than the amount of times you can on the pads, which is a big difference, by the way. Uh, what was your scouting evaluation of Jim Everett out of Purdue? You know, I thought Jim had a lot of talent. You wondered a little bit about his leadership and toughness. I don't know. Jim had a pretty good career. Maybe I was a little bit hard on him there. Charles Haley out of James Madison was <laughs> he was a uh, he was something. He was a big character question mark, but boy, the guy was really explosive. So it was a buyer beware. You had to have c- control of him. But he certainly was really, really talented. James Hasty, out of Washington State. James could run pretty well. He had good cover skills, and he'd really, um, he'd really fight you. I mean, he was a pretty good tackler as well in the secondary. And we're gonna talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars today. We're gonna break them down. You look at what they've done. They've put a focus. This offseason on character, they put a focus on team chemistry. Uh, this is going to be the first year that Doug Marone's going to be able to do it without Tom Coughlin over his shoulder. They put the offense in the hands of Gardner Minshew. They put it in the hands of new offense coordinator Jay Gruden. They've added a new tight end in Tyler Eifert. They've added a new receiver in LaVisca Chenault from the second round. On defense, Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye, Marcel Darius are gone. They've added Joe Schobert, six of the first eight selections on defense. Two corners, edge rush, you got C.J. Henderson, Kelvin Chase on a defensive end. Younger team, they hope more chemistry. We'll see. Going to be real interesting what they've been able to do. They're one of the youngest teams in the league. 68 players on their 90-man roster have four years of experience or less. And 39 current players were not on the team last year. So lots of changeover. Some promising young talent, not enough to push in this division. Um, But they're definitely building for the future. And right now, Dave Caldwell and, you know, Doug Marone are trying to Make sure that they're part of the future. We'll see. We'll see. 
Offensively, they don't have enough proven playmakers with breakaway speed. That's what they think Chenault can be, and he can be if he's healthy. DJ Chark is going to draw a lot of attention. They need more big playability, consistency from D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley, especially in terms of run after catch and red zone play. Leonard Fournette has to – he's playing for his fifth-year option. They're going to need another good year out of him. Played well last year. Obviously, they don't trust him in his attitude. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. It's going to be Jay Gruden's job to revitalize the Jags' offense with a more potent vertical passing game, develop Minshew into a more polished quarterback. Um, they're going to need more polish, more steadiness, more touchdown passes, better success in the red zone, fewer lost fumbles, all from Gardner Minshew. Chark's going to be the feature weapon. He had a breakout season last year, 73 catches, 1,000-plus yards, eight touchdowns, after having only 14 for 174 and no touchdowns as a rookie. They're going to bring the safety help to limit Clark's downfield opportunities. That means Westbrook and Connolly and Chenault are going to have to emerge as threats on underneath and vertical routes on the opposite side. Now, Gruden's offense, Jay Gruden's offense, is designed around play action taking shots downfield, quick reads by the quarterback. Um, Going to have to get the ball out quick. The Jags did little to upgrade their offensive line this offseason. Because of the line's inconsistent play, they ranked – this is a big part of it, not everything, but they ranked 31st to the Jags last year in red zone efficiency. The unit allowed 182 quarterback pressures, and it's 10th most in the league. Left guard Andrew Norwell has not played very well. Left tackle Cam Robinson played hurt the entire year. They drafted uh, Ben Bartsch from Division Three St. John's in the fourth round. He could potentially push at left tackle, but they're going to need to develop. They need to move, probably move Robinson to guard and move Will Richardson Jr. to tackle. But Richardson can beat A.J. Can for the starting right guard spot. Brandon Linder is a mainstay at center. He's a one positive. Jawan Taylor played all uh, 1,091 snaps, but he really had a lot of penalties and was off technique-wise. So, you know, I don't know that Fournette's going to get the carries that he wants. They were bad at tight end. They added Tyler Eifert in, Eifert in free agency, who's had injury problems but was healthy for the first time last year. Um. You know, Taven Bryant, that's going to have to be a big factor for them. Um, they certainly, with Gunner and Woods and Marsh, tried to improve that defensive line course, drafted um, Devon Hamilton, who I like. They finished 28th in the league against the run. They allowed 23 rushing touchdowns. That's the second highest total behind the Cardinals. Um, they're going to interchange their um, – Todd Wash is going to interchange a 4-3 with some 3-4 looks. We'll talk a little bit about how they plan to use that. They upgraded their Mike backer position because what they did is they had Miles Jack out of position at Mike. They're going to move him back to Will where he belongs. They signed Joe Sherbert to play Mike. They've added Jack Quarterman, who I thought was really good at University of Miami. They're probably the best thing they got going for them is they've got as good a kicking and punting combination as you'd want in the league. So, look, I mean, I think that Marone it wants a tough, smart football team 
Um, this is a young team. It's got a ways to go. Um, we talked about Minshew. Joshua Dobbs is going to battle for the backup spot with Mike Lennon, likely be third. What's the answer? What's the answer for Leonard Fournette? Uh, how much is it going to be play action? He's going to be a big part of that. Chris Thompson, Raquel Armstead, Devon Ozebo, or the other backs. Any of those guys going to step up? Uh, again, Chark is the key guy at receiver. Schultz, Laviska Chenault's going to have to step up, but the main guys is to me Westbrook and Conley and Keelan Cole. Who's going to really become real factors over the middle, out of the slot? Tyler Alford needs to stay healthy. You know they needed to upgrade that offensive line. I, I still worry about them there. So this offense has got some quarterback questions, you know, receiver questions, offensive line questions. Um, defensively, you look at this team, Josh Allen has got to be a key guy. Look, I mean, Unique Nandakwe, guy they tagged, wants to be traded. You, you just They put the tag on them. What are they going to get out of them? Are they going to play hard, play for a contract? If they do, they've got him, they've got Josh Allen who's returning, and Caleb on Shason. They've got three guys that can really rush the passer. And then Aaron Lynch be the fourth guy. And they could drop. They've got some flexibility with Lynch and Chase on. They could drop guys in a 3-4 base look. They can drop a couple of guys. And then Rodney Gunner can also play in the 3-4. And Cassius Marsh is going to add depth at end. So they've got some pieces. But you look at it. With Nindakwe not there and young guys, I mean, you know, are they are they going to quite get there this year? Don't know. They added veteran free agent Al Woods, third round pick Davon Hamilton at tackle, and then they've got Tavon Bryan, who I talked about, so such an important factor. Aubrey Jones can fit into the rotation at tackle. They hope that it can improve that twenty four ranked defense, and Aubrey Jones will be pushed to keep that starting spot with Gunter from the Cardinals and Davon Hamilton. Uh, linebacker, we talked about it. That was the key. Miles Jack was not a fit at Mike. They're moving him back to Will. Struggled on the inside. Um, Tevin Smith is, you know, certainly disappointing off the field. Was a really good player. They missed him. They signed Schobert to come in at Mike Backer. Quincy Williams was bench as a rookie. We had depth at the weak backer spot. And then uh, Leon Jacobs said, Sandbacker can play on the strong side in a 4-3 alignment, and they may play in the 3-4 base situations and then, again, could drop Allen and Chase on into outside backer slot. So got some versatility, got some options. Um, the secondary, you know, they started last year with Jalen Rams and A.J. Boye, and that became an issue to the point where they – they felt like they needed to draft C.J. Henderson. And he's good in coverage, not a great tackler, but he starts immediately at corner because he has to. Trey Herndon is going to be the other corner. He started in 15 games in place of Ramsey. D.J. Hayden is a solid nickelback who started eight games. Safety, they got Ronnie Harrison and Gerard Wilson stepping in. Um, but there's they don't have a lot of depth there. We talked about, you know, Josh Lambeau made 33 or 34 field goals, great kicker. 
Logan Cook draft in the seventh round in 18, dropped 25 of his 75 punts inside the 20, and only 24 were returned for a 5-3 yard average. Placing it well, getting good hang time, his net was 44-5. Okay, I mean, that's the first team to lead in field goal percentage and net punting in the same year since punting average began getting tracked in 2000. So D.D. Westbrook's uh, punt return average dropped from 14 to 5.7, and undrafted rookie Michael Walker averaged 22.8 yards per kickoff return. Undrafted rookie Michael Orzik um, claimed off of waivers from Baltimore, returns as a long snapper. is pretty good. So a couple of things jump out at me. Um, it looked like that they decided and they sold in-house that, look, Coughlin was the problem. So Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell get an opportunity to show that they or can operate better without being under the thumb of Tom Coughlin. We'll see. You know, I mentioned again slot receiver D.D. Westbrook was their most consistent option a couple of years ago. D.J. Chark, he needs to return, be productive. Chark needs to be what he can be on the outside. Chenault needs to make plays, and then Tyler Eifert needs to be healthy. All key components. Defensively, I thought they they lost their stinger. I thought they had a little bit of an arrogance and confidence that they don't have. But Calais Campbell was disruptive. I mean, unique Ndokwe. I mean, this – you had Ndokwe, you had Ramsey, you had Campbell. I mean, you just, you know, they had a lot of talent. Um, Taven Bryan and Kato Chason need to play well. Miles Jack has a lot of talent. Um, C.J. Henderson, I mean, you know, they've, they've not been able to manage situations well. They've actually drafted pretty well but they've not been able to put it all together. And, and a lot of it is most people inside that, that on that staff. And, again, you get different views. But even in the front office felt like Tom Coughlin's influence hurt Doug Marone's ability to control the team. And so it led to a lot of problems. So it's going to be interesting to see. They're not a playoff team. They – probably finish fourth in terms of a roster. And, again, we don't know how the season's going to play out. But Houston, Indianapolis, Tennessee all have better rosters. But let's remind you that this team went to the AFC Championship not that long ago. But it's not the same team. And they're having to rebuild. And they're having to rebuild the culture. If this bombs out, they could be in the mix with a new head coach with some of the young talent maybe in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence. That's a next that's an off season conversation, but we shall see. That's a look at the Jacksonville Jags, a definitely, in my opinion, a a sub five hundred team. Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell are gambling a lot on Gardner Minshew. The run defense has to take a major step forward. That was a disaster last year. It wrecked their season. They gave up hundred and ninety four or more yards four times last year. If they can't stop the run, it's gonna be embarrassing again and did did they do enough well they didn't do anything on their offensive line can they make their offensive line better can they scheme around the offensive line well they're going to have to because they're not very good there 
So we'll check it out. Hey, we'll get to another team tomorrow. Check that out as we will break them down one by one until we get them all done for you right here uh, on the Pro Football Show. Again, reminder, we're going to be making some adjustments going forward. Starting in at some point in uh, July, we're going to go to a couple of days a week and do our Pro Football Show. We're going to rebrand it, rename it, have a little bit of a different tone and touch to it, and we're certainly going to do the same with a national college show. And we're going to be um, getting some guys involved with different podcasts uh, on the Landry Football Podcasting Network. Um, SEC show, ACC show, Big ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12. Got it all covered for you um, here on LandryFootball.com. So make sure that you sign up for Landry Football's conference call so you can get them all. SEC Gumbo is starting today, Tuesday the 23rd, every Tuesday and Thursday. So you want to check that out. Also check out LandryFootball.com for all the detailed film room analysis, inside information at LandryFootball.com. So check that out today. Less than $5 a month will get you access to detailed behind-the-film room analysis, roster breakdowns, team breakdowns. We're going to have all the roster breakdowns from the NFL as well as college, uh, all at LandryFootball.com. As we speak, getting all the college ones done and the NFL ones are soon to be uh, behind them. Uh, Also check out our great friends at 401K Generation, licensed in all 50 states. Give them a call, no obligation, call or text at 1-866-998-5879. Experts in financial planning, 401Ks, IRAs, they are the experts. Give them a call today. Hey, appreciate you joining us. Join us and listen to us over on the college side and join us tomorrow as we break down more pro football for you right here, part of the LandryFootball.com podcast network.